Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Heat Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan-sided, daily DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing well, Randy. A little congested, but I am here to help you break down 2020 in a nutshell for WWE. Looking forward to it. Well, first of all, hope you feel better. Uh, Thanks. I'm not, it's not anything super serious. I don't want to get any <laughs> COVID scares out there. It's just a little congestion. So, Well, Happy New Year to you and the family. Hope you are well now and more and beyond. Um, you as well, Randy. We haven't done this too out of three four show in quite some time so i want to let people know that we are still doing it just a matter of fact that our schedules happen to not be intertwined at the same time uh me in 2020 as we're doing a, a recap kind of year show um i as a fan checked out more than i thought i would and I'm doing the best I can to kind of chime in and watch certain shows. And I haven't seen every Raw, I haven't seen every SmackDown or every Dynamite. Yep. Um, but my goal for 2021 is to just check in. I know it's hard for for most fans to, to watch where there's no fans in the building. Yep. They don't get the, that kind of interaction. So I do get that part. But for me, for my own personal goal, I'm... I want to watch more of the product because there are some things that you educate me on and say, Hey, you, I know you don't watch it as normal as regular, but you could check out this match and check out this rivalry, check out this storyline. You know, this is the best thing going on in, 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 in uh, the company and everything. So, um, this show, I'm going to heavily rely on you because I know you've seen majority of raw SmackDown dynamite, other shows and, and whatnot. So, um, this year, year, year in review is going to be more on, on you, man. Hey, that that's perfectly fine with me. I'm 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 perfectly in my element, reliving the best and worst moments of 2020 for WWE and beyond. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, man, where do we start? Um, good question. Where do we start? Okay, so Graham, since the whole pandemic came in. Um, I think both companies, AEW and WWE, were kind of hitting the strides prior yep. to the pandemic. So we're talking about January, February, and March. So the last show that I went to was the Chamber pay-per-view in March. The and last pay-per-view like, with fans, yeah. With fans. So right after that is when like stuff with the NBA, the NFL, every other sport, and then boom. And that's pre-WrestleMania time. Yep. Um, and great show, great atmosphere, but now that feels like a, such a long time ago. It feels kind of old like now, like, man, we're 17,000 people in an arena and you, you haven't seen that in quite some time. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's just surreal, man. I, I think it's, as we do this show, it kind of shows you you know, when things come your way, you know, adversity, what do you do? 
personal, you know, keep, you know, keeping your company alive. And I think AEW and WWE have done the best, best that they can in order to keep everything going, keep people occupied and, and just engage. And I know the ratings have been going down, but still it's like, what else can you do? Like, they're going to do the best uh, that they can. And I think for what it's worth and stuff that's out of their control, I think mm-hmm. they, they done pretty well. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm dying right off the bat here. No, I completely agree though. The products, I think overall, and, I, and that this might be the optimist than may um, have made the most of the current circumstances, specifically AEW, because they got a head start in the whole, not having fans in the building. They do have fans in the building now, very, you know, small, amount but you know they were using the wrestlers as the audience for a very long time uh well before wwe did when wwe started using the pc recruits at the pc you know that came about two months after AEW. i think was doing with like their first or second show at daly's place in jacksonville um and it really added to the atmosphere of the shows because AEW, as good as the shows are they were typically only as good before the pandemic as their audience that they had in attendance and the crowds were almost always electric every single time and the AEW crowds were always great a lot like nxt a lot of their shows are special because of the crowds you don't really see that more often than not with raw and smackdown so they kind of filled that gap to the best of their ability with the um wrestlers in the audience for AEW, and then later some fans um now just socially distanced wearing masks and whatever um but yeah i think both shows i mean both companies rather have made the most of it uh there's still a lot worth complaining about aew is far from a perfect product there's a lot of issues i have with that product but overall every wednesday is a great watch we've had a lot of great moments in 2020 WWE Raw's quality has fallen in the toilet in the last, I would say, you know, six to eight months or whatever. Uh, not because of the pandemic. That doesn't help. Um, a lot of other factors. I mean, the show, it was a bad show a year ago. You go back to our year review show a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I, I'm pretty sure I was saying the same thing. Raw was a dumpster fire. And there's are, there are times where it's good and better than other times. And then there's times where it's just almost completely unbearable to watch. Like the last couple of weeks of Raw. Um, this week, as we speak, wasn't too bad, but the last couple of weeks before that were pretty, pretty bad. Um, but SmackDown's been killing it lately. NXT is still a very good show. So, yeah, I mean, the pandemic, I think a lot of people assume, oh, this is the death of wrestling. It'll never be the same. And it's definitely not the same. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, like you said, that said they are not watching WWE, AEW, whatever, without fans, because it's not the same. It's a weird experience. And I totally get that. But I feel like if you enjoy wrestling that much, you will try to find the positives in it. And sometimes it's hard, especially with WWE, but there are positives here and there. And there are a few cool things going on right now on the WWE front. The Royal Rumble's coming up in a couple weeks. Again, not the same without fans in attendance, but overall, the pandemic has also allowed them to do some cool things that we wouldn't have gotten had it been for the pandemic, such as cinematic matches, which they have kind of done to death over the last eight months, but the cinematic matches have been cool. Uh, We've had some pretty cool arrivals, debuts, gimmick types or match types, gimmicks and stuff like that. So um, they, they, again, they've tried to make the most of it. I applaud them for it. And uh, the longer that this thing has gone on a lot longer than any of us thought it would, they've, um, you know, put their best effort into it and it's actually become more bearable. So to me, the no fans thing doesn't even really bother me anymore as much as bad content does, which both companies can be guilty of at times. And you know what? I agree because I feel like when I chime in whenever I can, I tend to chime in more to SmackDown and Raw nowadays. Okay. 
and I, and to your point, I just don't know what it is with with Raw. Um, again, Graham, you know me. I come from the from the era of attitude and ruthless aggression, and I've I, I've seen it all. Um, even the PG era and the reality era, the era we uh, we were in before COVID, it just again like you can do wonders without fans. It just yep. what you see out there is that again I I could be. As, as tedious as can be but like just the effort um you know just the selling the acting like i'm like it just doesn't seem as it don't come off as real as it could be yep nowadays now i'm not saying they don't know how to work or they're terrible it just the portrayal of what they're showing is not like it's not believable to a degree yeah and Again, you are missing. You were missing some big stars. You, there was no Brock. There's no Becky Lynch. A uh, good portion. There was no Charlotte Flair. Uh, a little bit. You had no Roman Reigns. So you had to have these other people who don't primarily get to get that TV time. And you had to uplift and elevate them to an audience. And like me or someone who's casually watching, I flip on and I see. For example, Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic. Yeah. Am I going to see Dominic or? Brock Lesnar or Becky Lynch or Seth Rollins or whoever. So it just, it was a weird time. They did, they did some things really well. Like, Oh shit. I was kind of, kind of cool. Um, they went outside the box with the whole cinematic stuff, which, which we'll get to, uh, for WrestleMania and stuff like that. Even for, I think NXT in your house with the outside ladder match. And they got creative mm -hmm. to a degree. I just felt like raw is hard to watch because I just feel like, the effort is not there as as a television production show, not the wrestling, just this how it's portrayed on on TV. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's not the wrestling. The wrestling, I, I would say, is as good as it's. It's not as good as it's been because there have been other points yeah. where consistently the wrestling has been better, but like. No, the no fans thing doesn't help, but certain storylines dragging things on for longer than they should rushing into certain things. I find that's again, more of an issue with raw than it is with SmackDown. Um, but again, the pandemic has, it, you made a great point there, Randy has allowed them to push some new stars in 2020. Not every single one has been a home run. For example, Keith Lee, they called up to the main roster, gave a push to pretty quick. He's not at the level I think he should be at. Of course, he's contending for the WWE title next week on Raw after beating Sheamus last week on the on the show. Um, but, you know, they had to beat Randy Orton at Payback. And then he lost a few times on TV. He got pinned in like a handicap match versus Miz and Morrison. Before recently, the guy had never been less on the show. So his booking's kind of been all over the place, but it has forced them to push him in a prominent role on the show. Riddle, they called up in 2020. Bianca Belair is a star in the rise. Dominic Mysterio, the Street Profits, went from being just a random unknown tag team a year ago to now reigning as the tag team champions every single day of 2020, dating back to March. So not, not the entire year, but they were the Raw Tag Team Champions and then immediately transitioned without ever dropping the titles into becoming the SmackDown tag team champions. Um, Big E. I mean, look at the push that Big E has gotten since the summer with Kofi being out, Xavier being out, and they ran with Big E. And now as of last Friday on SmackDown, he's the new intercontinental champion, which is super cool to say Roman reigns. I mean, Drew McIntyre is probably the biggest star they created in 2020 with how they booked him. Um, yeah, they had him drop the belt for a couple weeks to Randy Orton. But other than that, the guy has had an amazing 2020. And in my opinion, having been here 
all 2020 long, never taking any time off, never getting right. hurt, barely missing any pay-per-views. Um, he is my superstar of the year for 2020, probably my wrestler of the year as well. And that includes AEW. AEW had a lot of great talent too. Cody Rhodes had a pretty good year. John Moxley was champion for the better, better part of 2020. But McIntyre has been firing in all cylinders. And I don't want to say everything on Raw is bad. McIntyre, and the ratings aren't poor because of McIntyre being champion. We are well past that point of whoever being champion um, being the reason why the ratings are in the toilet. Mm. No, that, that's, I'm not saying like, oh, the ratings are so bad. You got to put the belt on a bigger star like Brock again. I mean, that's not going to help it at all because Brock's never on the show. So I hope that we're done with that crap in 2020 and we can get a year for the first time in many years where Brock is not a champion in WWE, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown uh, world champion, that is. But at any rate, so Drew McIntyre really took the year by storm. Uh, was a great WWE champion. Stepped it up in the ring. Stepped it up in uh, on you know as a promo guy, as a character. Had a lot of good feuds, good moments, good matches. Main event at WrestleMania. Um, I, you know, won the Royal Rumble. One of my favorite Royal Rumbles ever. That was a fantastic match. Um, had Roman Reigns been around longer, doing what he's doing right now for longer, he would probably be a lot of people's superstar of the year. Because as much as I like McIntyre, if you had to make me choose. To watch one superstar right now in any show, it would be Roman Reigns, which I never thought I would say. And it's not that I'm a Roman Reigns hater, but this is the best work this guy has ever done. He was very bland, very generic. He knew what you were getting with Roman um, most of the time before he turned heel. But since the Paul Heyman partnership came about, the guy has been literally must-see TV. Whether it was the Jey Uso stuff when he first came back, winning the Universal Championship, aligning with Paul Heyman, his recent rivalry with... Kevin Owens going into TLC and now currently still going on SmackDown. Uh, the mini Drew McIntyre feud, the mini Drew McIntyre match at Survivor Series. Everything this guy has touched has literally turned to gold. Uh, maybe not quite literally, but you get my point. So the guy has been awesome in 2020. There's been a lot of positives for the year. A lot of stuff I didn't really care for. Uh, Drew, you know, Dominic Mysterio, you mentioned, really came out and had a great 2020. Um, you know, he looked like a natural in the ring at SummerSlam against... Um, Seth Rollins, the feud itself died a death after SummerSlam, the whole, oh, Aaliyah Mysterio bullshit and the <laughs> eye for an eye crap. I mean, that was just bad. That shit was just really, really bad. But the matches were good, <clears throat> at least for those first few months. You know, even in NXT, NXT, people will say, oh, it's not the same anymore. It's not as exciting, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's completely subjective. I'm not going to say the weekly product is as good as it's ever been right now, but their women's division is as good as it's ever been bar none. It's not even close. Uh, Pat McAfee, I mean, the guy showed up on the scene. No one really gave a shit about him. Neither did I four months ago. You know, went in the ring with Adam Cole, take over 30, and fucking killed it. And the guy is... And he's not on the show right now. He, he kind of took time off after takeover uh, mm -hmm. war games earlier this month, but he was a must-see part of that show as well. So... It's been a good year, I would say, for WWE. I hate to say it's been a good year for anything, considering what's happened in 2020. The people that we've lost and everything that's happened even outside of wrestling. But from a pure product standpoint, I have seen worse years in WWE. And AEW, again, I think made the most of the current circumstances. And they have now gone longer without fans than they were with fans, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but some of the matches speak for themselves. We had a lot of great matches in 2020. So even without fans there, they've still managed to put out some great content across all the shows. Okay, that was a lot. I it was a lot. I apologize. <laughs> so let's go back here. Question one. Post-COVID, who's had a better, who, who's done better? Production wise, AEW or 
WWE, which includes NXT. Who do you think has felt? Who do you think felt as um? Who you felt has done um? Better when it comes to shows, pay per view events, and stuff like that. Well, you, you mean in terms of like the shows they've put on, or like how they present the shows production wise? I mean, when you're watching AEW, NXT, and all that stuff from March to now, yep. You, you as a fan, you yep. have enjoyed which the most? Oh, I would say AEW, definitely. Um, and why? Why is that? Why is that? The matches have been better. They have again. It never really felt like they missed a beat. Like, I don't watch AEW and think to myself, oh, this show would be so much better if there were fans there. Like, I mm -hmm. feel that way with NXT because I feel like a big part of the NXT magic. And I think NXT is still a very good show. Most, I mean, they had one of their best shows all year a couple of weeks ago. Um, and New Year's Evil, I think next Wednesday, is shaping up to be an incredible show. Like, that feels like a takeover-worthy um, event on paper. And it's on free TV. Mm -hmm. But um, with AEW, I feel like even as soon as the pandemic started... The shows were still, I mean, again, some shows are better than others. The last couple of weeks of Dynamite have been kind of dull since the big Sting debut. Um, every episode since then has kind of honestly gotten gradually more and more boring. But I feel like that's just kind of, they're kind of holding off until the bigger stuff until the new year. Um, and then they're, they're putting all their plans on pause for right now for the Brody Lee stuff on Wednesday, which I think is incredibly cool. So I'm looking mm. forward to that tribute show on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, just overall AEW, I feel like NXT doesn't have that same magic without an audience and having the PC people there is one thing and the Capitol Wrestling Center has helped. WWE's Thunderdome has been a big help. Like people can shit on the Thunderdome and the flaws that it has and whatever the fake crowd noise. I will take that shit any day of the week over no noise. Or the, the PC. What'd you say? Or the PC. I, that was terrible. I couldn't well, watch it in the PC. Well, that's what I'm saying. Whether it be with people in the PC or without people in the PC, like the banging on the glass. I felt like I was watching a fucking hockey fight. Like, <laughs> again, I, I appreciate their attempt to make it bearable, but it's, it was tough. It was really tough. Like making Brock Lesnar go out there, make his entrance with no fans was, uh, was hard to watch. Um, the Thunderdome gives it a bigger feel. And again, there's no actual fans there, but I can appreciate and enjoy the shows more than I would have without it. Um, and I think some, since SummerSlam, they've had the Thunderdome, SmackDown's been a better show since then. Raw, not so much. But that's just really because of the creative stuff and not so much the lack of fans. I feel like even if fans were there, we would be shitting on Raw. Like, people have been pooping on Raw for years. So, fans or no fans, yeah, it makes it, you know, less... More, more of a hard watch to watch it without fans. But um, even with fans, the show sucked anyway. So, it's not like it lives and dies by that. Um, but, yeah, just Dynamite. I think Dynamite... Well, again, I have my flaws with the show probably more than most. I call them out on their shit. I think the win-loss record stuff is stupid just because they don't really follow it. Um, like the power rankings, I think, are dumb. They don't really yeah. follow it. But they have signed a lot of people in 2020, and they have made good use out of pretty much anyone, uh, pretty much everyone they've had. The only few people I could say had a, like a disappointing 2020 were... Joey Janela, who I've never really cared about, but he was a guy that kind of hyped up from the beginning, had a big indie, you know, uh, presence and whatnot before coming to AEW. He's been kind of a background player. I, I can't say I'm complaining just because I really don't care about the guy. And Rusev, they they hired Miro, who's now known as Miro, formerly Rusev. He's done jack shit. He's like a fucking video game guy now. I that just really doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, right. And everyone else, Matt Hardy's made an impact. Brody Lee rest in peace, just passed away last weekend, uh, made an impact while he was there. He was TNT champion for a short time. And what a shocking passing that was this past weekend. But 
mm-hmm. for as long as it was cool that before he passed, he was able to have a very good run to close out his career and wasn't sitting on the sidelines like he was in WWE for his final year or two there. Um, in AEW, he was able to, you know, become a champion, lead a faction, get a world title shot, a double or nothing. Um, I think WWE's had better cinematic matches, I would say, than AEW. But from an in-ring standpoint, I think WWE's also probably had a better year from an in-ring standpoint, too. I just feel like AEW is more consistent. And that's why I enjoy the show more. I feel like with WWE, and even NXT, honestly, too, from time to time, I feel like when I watch Raw and SmackDown and sometimes NXT, it could be a really boring show or a really, really good show. Like, they go mm-hmm. back and forth constantly. At least with AEW, it's a very good show more often than not. They, got st- they have stuff you can kind of sink your teeth into. And they have some fans there. They have the crowd noise. That's never really been a problem. They deliver big moments. They know what they're doing. They, they know what they're doing. The booking makes sense. Um, I just enjoy the shows more. And again, the last couple of weeks of Dynamite have been kind of ho hum. But I expected that in the final stretch of the year during the holiday season. So I can't say I'm overly surprised. Like mm. this thing debut was awesome. They they did the John Moxley Kenny Omega title change with the Don Callis swerve a couple of weeks ago. That was really cool. Um, they've done a lot of other cool stuff in 2020. So I would say overall, from a which product I enjoyed more standpoint. AEW wins in that respect. So who do you feel and you can edu- you know educate me on this um who do you feel is your your MVP for AEW for the year? Like someone who's like man from from this point to now man or woman every time they came on the screen they hit it hit it at the park someone who can now go into 2021 and become a champion and stuff like that. Who do you feel had a great 2020 in uh, AEW? That's a good question because I feel like there aren't like a lot of answers, to be honest with you, because I feel like some people did good work. The problem with AEW, the funny thing is the problem with AEW is that they have so many, like literally everyone on their roster is really, really good. So it's kind of hard to stand have someone stand out as being on that next level. Like, I feel like everyone is already at that level, whereas in WWE, if someone breaks out of the pack, it's like, oh, man, they're special. They're the MVP because everyone else is so underutilized where it's actually kind of hard to come across someone who breaks free from the pack and, and is the best part about the show. AEW, I, I feel like the entire show is worth watching. Not not everything, obviously. Their women's division is still a very big work in progress, very much so. But the tag team division is great. They brought in FTR. They had a great series of matches with the with the Bucks and Hangman and Omega. Um, Hangman and Omega were probably their two. Well, I would say three people were their biggest MVPs. Hangman and Omega were tag team champions for most of the year. Omega's now world champion. Um, he was kind of flying under the radar for most of the year. But even in the tag team division, was one of the better parts of the show. Hangman's character arc in 2020 has been fantastic. The Young Bucks have been pretty consistent. They've had a really good year. And John Moxley, um, and not just because he was world champion for most of the year, but their booking of him was near perfect. I mean, the guy only lost one match in 2020. MJF did too, and MJF did some really good work this year, but I feel like they kind of fell off with him after the Cody win back at Revolution in, in February. Um, Jericho, I, I just feel like Jericho hasn't had a great year. I feel like he was doing no. great work as a world champion. And then after he lost the belt, the inner circle have been looked have looked like complete fucking losers. Um, the Orange Cassidy feud was a complete waste of time, and I enjoyed it. But like he put over Cassidy twice, and Orange Cassidy ain't doing shit right now. So how much did it really mean? And the MJF stuff right now is good, but 
I feel like overall he has not had a great 2020, at least compared to last year. Um, but yeah, John Moxley, probably the biggest MVP, being world champion for most of the year, headlining a lot of their pay-per-views, uh, winning the world championship, getting over, remaining popular. And some of his world title defenses were better than others. The Jake Hager match wasn't particularly exciting, but the Brian Cage match was really good. The Brody Lee match was great. Um, had a couple good matches with Darby Allen that were fantastic. MJF match was really, really good. Had some really good TV matches matches as well with Eddie Kingston and recently Kenny Omega. Um, the guys had a great 2020 and it's cool to see John Moxley really positioned as the face of a franchise, the way that he wasn't in WWE and he really took the ball and fucking ran off with it. So right. I, I would say John Moxley was their number one MVP and then right below him, hangman and Omega are probably at the same level. And then right below them would be again at the same level, probably Cody in the box. Cause I feel like, they haven't been at the tip-top spotlight of AEW in 2020, um, but they're always consistent. Cody is at a, like when he was TNT champion, um, he had a lot of good title defenses. He was defending the belt almost every single week, made it feel important. He was a top-tier babyface, a great star. And the Young Bucks, you know, love him or hate him, are always consistent in the ring as well. So I would say those are the biggest MVPs of the year. And Britt Baker, too, she really broke out as, a, uh, as one to watch in their women's division. So, in your opinion... The best AEW pay-per-view in 2020 was... Ooh, this one's tough because I feel like they had four pay-per-views. Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out, and Full Gear. All Out was absolutely the weakest. Absolutely. <laughs> I remember watching that show. And I heard about from, that one. Yeah. From AEW standards, it, was not, it, was, it sucked. From AEW standards, it was not good. I've seen worse pay-per-views, but from them, that was the weakest they've ever done. Double or Nothing was fun. If people said double or nothing, I agree with that. I just feel like Full Gear was a consistently great show from uh, two months ago, a month and a half ago, whatever. That was a consistently great show. And then Revolution might, I mean, it was more consistent than Revolution, but I might give it to Revolution just because of the tag team match between the Bucks and um, Hangman and uh, Omega was great. Moxley and Jericho was really good. And the crowd that night was on fire, so... Man, it's between Revolution and Full Gear. I'm going to say Full Gear because I feel like there were more matches that were better, and it was just a consistently better show. Um, but Revolution was a fantastic show, too. So either one of them, I would probably say Revolution, but Full Gear was very good. So I'm really torn on the two. So Revolution ha had a crowd. Full Gear did not. Yeah, Full Gear. I'm sorry. Revolution was back at... Uh, Leap, leap Day, February 29th, earlier this year. Okay. And then Full Gear did have fans, just not, you know, as many okay. fans as Revolution. Revolution was in Chicago, so it had a very hot crowd. I remember that. Hmm. Best WWE pay-per-view in 2020 was... I gotta go Royal Rumble. I feel like the Royal Rumble, again, and I, I might just be, you know, thinking with rose-colored glasses here just because that crowd, that show had a, had a crowd on it. Mm. But I feel like that's a novelty at this point because we take it for granted. Now that there's no fans, the shows are drastically different. And I said before, they don't make or break shows, but they do make a big difference. And specifically yeah. for a show like that, where we had the two Royal Rumble matches, both of which I thought were great. Uh, we had Becky Lynch and Asuka on that show, The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. Even Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin had a really, really good match. King Corbin, mm. whatever. Um I think Bailey and Lacey Evans was kind of eh. But overall, I thought that there was a terrific show. The McIntyre win was amazing. That was a great way to close out the show. The edge return, the crowd was hot. 
that would probably be my pay-per-view of the year for WWE. Um, the other three that come to mind are WrestleMania, because they made the most of the bad circumstance, and there were no fans, but it was two nights. They had two cinematic matches that were good. More matches, more matches delivered than not. And it was a fun two days overall. Um, SummerSlam was great. That was their first pay-per-view in the Thunderdome. Again, a consistently good show. It was capped off by the Roman Reigns return. No match really stood out as being overly special, but they had Asuka and Sasha Banks was terrific. Drew and Orton was terrific. Um, the Fiend won back the Universal title. Again, Roman Reigns returned afterward. That was a really special moment. That was a really good show. Bailey and Asuka also had a great match. Um, and then TLC. TLC, which we just had a week and a half ago. Again, another consistently good show. Two great TLC matches. The Inferno match, I actually enjoyed. I'm probably in the minority on that, but... I enjoyed that. Um, Charlotte Flair returned, and the Raw Tag Team titles changed hands, so I really can't complain about that show either. So I would say any of those four, but if I had to pick just one, probably the Royal Rumble. That really uh, was, I thought, a very special show. You know, the the Edge return feels such a fucking long time ago. It does, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's like, wow, that happened in January. And we're, and we're about to embark, uh, embark on January now. Like, wow, that was a whole year ago. Like, that's crazy, yep. man. <laughs> it's wild. It's like a decade ago at this point. And I feel like the Rumble, the Rumble gets the, the nod almost by default. Because you ask a fan like me, I'm going to go with the, with, the, with the show that has fans in it. Now, yep. they had the Chamber, which was good. That I was there for it, and in Philly, that was a decent um, show. It was, it, yeah. yeah, but Rumble was just—it's like now we're next next month is the Rumble. Well, I'll, I'll say this much: I wouldn't just because there were fans there. I wouldn't say that automatically wins it for the Rumble. Oh, it for does this year, for this year, yeah. For no, no, year. yeah, I know that, but like I'm saying, like for example, we had Chamber, but we also had fucking Super Showdown as well in Saudi Arabia yeah. before before the pandemic. Would right. I put SummerSlam or TLC before Saudi Arabia? Absolutely. No. Those shows were way better. I, I would say just because Saudi Arabia had fans, just mm. because doesn't doesn't make it a better show. But for the Rumble, it does. Uh, right. Chamber, I'd have to go back and watch the whole thing. I thought it was a decent show, not overly must-see or, or newsworthy, but I didn't think it was a terrible show. I remember that show. Um, but yeah, the Rumble wins automatically just because not only because there were fans there, but because they made that show. Like you watch the Rumble, they reacted to everything, everything from the Drew win, the Edge return to the Keith Lee appearance. Um, it was just a very fun show, just a very fun show. And I love the baseball stadium setting as well. Right. Um, since, since I asked you about MVPs for AEW, I know, again, we, we mentioned no Brock. No Becky, no Charlotte, no Roman for half of the year or in the whole year. Um, so you see people like Bailey, Sasha Banks, even Randy Orton step up in, in many ways to hold down the company until these people start coming back. Yeah. And your who do you feel was the MVP for WWE slash NXT during this uh post? pandemic era who do you think step up the most well like i said drew mcintyre um i think he really killed it this entire year he was champion for better part of the year um only lost one or two matches i guess one to randy orton hell in the cell then again to uh roman reigns at survivor series but mm -hmm. his matches have been great my only issue with the mcintyre booking is that he never and still hasn't had a defense of the wwe title that main event to the pay-per-view where he won 
he hasn't main evented a lot of pay-per-views this year. He main evented Royal Rumble and, and WrestleMania, which are obviously the two biggest wins. Um, but he didn't main event Money in the Bank. He didn't main event the Backlash pay-per-view. Didn't main event Extreme Rules. Didn't main event SummerSlam, Payback, Clash of Champions, or Survivor Series, or TLC. And he was on every single one of those shows except for Payback. So to not main event any of them was disappointing. Yeah, he made him at the Hell in the Cell, but he fucking lost to Randy Orton. So, <clears throat> But he has been a very good... He, he has been absolutely one of, if not the best part of Raw in 2020. Um, really cool to see him really rise up to the occasion. And it works. It's not like it's just a matter of, oh, you got to put the belt on someone new. Be careful what you wish for, because that's what they did with... Uh, obligatory gender Mahal, you know, shot of gender here. They put the belt on gender and it fucking sucked just because it's a new guy. doesn't make it good. Okay. So they did that with drew. It worked. And uh, I'm very happy that they did that because he's been the best part of the show all year. So I got to say drew McIntyre right below him though, would be Bailey, Sasha and Oscar specifically Bailey and Sasha Oscar. Her booking is very inconsistent. <clears throat> Bailey and Sasha have been, Largely positioned as stars every single part of the year. Uh, even Bailey now, despite not being champion anymore, she's feuding with Bianca, hasn't missed a beat. Uh, Sasha, I would say the real women's wrestler of the year for WWE or just overall is Bailey. Um, she really grew into the heel role. She wasn't a natural heel, but she really grew into that role. She made it work, and it was a lot of fun to watch. So, and then Sasha's always been good, but she wasn't really given the ball until becoming SmackDown Women's Champion recently. So I got to go with Bailey. Um, but Sasha and Bailey made those early empty arena shows bearable to watch. They were, they were very good. So any one of them, um, Pat McAfee was, I mean, he came into the, the into the picture late, but mm -hmm. him on NXT has been great. Um, Keith Lee had a pretty good year. The main roster run has been very up or down, but he's had a pretty good year. Maybe not the MVP, but he's had a good year, specifically in NXT. Um, Adam Cole had a great first half of the year as NXT champion. Um, that's really about it. I'm sure there's more. I'm not uh, obvi obviously Roman Reigns, but he came back into the picture as a heel in August. So I can't really say overall because it's only been four months. But Roman Reigns would be a uh, a top candidate as well because he's made SmackDown must see the last couple of months. Yeah, I agree. I think it's um, Drew, Bailey. Like if I if I if I had a top five, I would say Drew, Bailey, Sasha, Roman. And hey, you just fucking mentioned Nick Purse's name. I would say Oscar. Uh, oh yeah, but I think was was crazy that him being there so long. I think Orton's up there too. Oh, I'm sorry. I how did I forget Randy Orton? Yeah, I'm sorry. I would put Orton. Come on, on. Graham. You I watch know. more than me. People people poop on Orton, but I gotta say this. This is probably the most interesting he's been as a character overall for the entire year in probably ten years. Ten or eleven years. It's been a long time since he's been a consistently good, engaging, exciting character. And I know exciting and Orton don't really go well together. People don't really put those two words in the same sense more often than not. But Orton, maybe not so much recently, although I have enjoyed the Fiend feud more than I thought I would. That Edge feud, I, I feel like people have really downplayed it. The Edge feud was the best part of fucking Raw for the first four months of the year. I mean, it was fantastic. Every single week, Orton was out there fucking killing it. Whether he was attacking Edge 
RKOing his wife, going after Matt Hardy. Did we forget about that? That was back when Raw had people, but the segments that Matt Hardy and Randy Orton had were fantastic. I mean, Orton was killing it, literally, dude, in an every single week basis. And yeah, the edge matches, the first one I didn't really care for. The second one was great. Um, and then even after that was over, the Legend Killer stuff was amazing. The Legend Killer stuff over the summer, he made a big show feud bearable. Like, I mean, how does that even happen? <laughs> he worked well with Big Show. He had the he had the Ric Flair partnership there for about a month or two. How, are yeah. we forgetting about that? That was awesome. And then their segment when he RKO'd him. I don't know if he RKO'd him, but he like low-blowed him and he kicked him in the head before the lights went out. That was amazing. The Christian stuff was fantastic for as long as that lasted, which wasn't long. Um, the Shawn Michaels bit was well done. Orton, up until I would say SummerSlam, was like one of the best parts of Raw, easily. People forget about that because the McIntyre feud kind of ran its course and they kind of dragged it out longer than it should have. But Orton has, he put over Keith Lee a payback. Um, Orton has had a great 2020. The Edge match of Backlash was great. He and McIntyre had a great match at SummerSlam. He put over Keith Lee at payback. He put over McIntyre again to have him lose the WWE Championship back to him. Um, him and The Fiend had probably the best Inferno match I've ever seen at TLC. Uh, yeah, I, I got to go with Randy Orton as one of the best people of the year. Probably not my number one. Definitely not my number one. But if if we're making a top five here, um, who is the fourth person you mentioned? Oh, Roman Reigns. Okay, so I would probably put him and him and Roman are tough because if Orton's been here the entire year, so I might put Orton above above Roman. Mm -hmm. um, but Orton, we really can't be sleeping on Orton here. And I know, like, obviously he's been around forever, but this is the best that he's been in at least a decade, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, shit, I, I fucking reminded you. He did. I don't know. How, <laughs> just because he hasn't, I was going to say he hasn't been the best part of Raw recently, but even the Alexa Bliss stuff has been really, really good. So, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how I forgot about that. So I would have Bailey, Sasha, Drew, Roman, and, um, and Orton, you already know how I feel about Sasha. I think, you know, just her and Bailey together really, like, they were the anchors for, because they were on Raw, SmackDown, NXT for, for so long. And it's like, they were individual champions. They were tag team champions. They were on, on the show twice, three times a, 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 a night. Like, they really depended on those two females to come on the show and really produce while your main characters are out. Roman, yep. the, the, Roman don't come back till August. So by that time, you talk about four or five months into this uh, uh, pandemic stuff, it's really about Bailey and Sasha the whole time and, and also uh, McIntyre. So they those were the, 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 and you mentioned Oscar, those were the four main anchors as well as Orton. You know what I'm saying? So like they really held it down. I'm surprised with Bailey being the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion and then her and Sasha were together, then, then, then the breakup, which is a big moment. Uh, for the years, so I think those for me were the two like the main anchors for for all the shows. I agree. I mean, the SmackDown Women's Championship picture was very exciting with Bailey and Sasha. They made they really elevated the tag team division too because they showed up in NXT a bunch of times. You don't really see people do that a lot as tag team champions. Naya and Shayna never fucking did. Um, I don't think Flair and Oscar will. I mean, maybe they will. I don't know. That'd be cool if they did, but. So, yeah, it, it would be nice, um, or it has been nice, to see Bailey and Sasha really kill it this year. And it's cool, too, because they took a big backseat 
in 2019, 2018, even 2017. They really have not been at the forefront of this division in a long time. For the women, it's really been the Becky, Charlotte, and Asuka show for the last three years. So it's cool to see Bailey and Sasha really rise up and uh, do great stuff. And Bailey, again, becoming a better heel than I ever thought she would be. Because early on in 2020, I thought she sucked as a heel. And it wasn't really her fault, but the dialogue that she... I don't know if it was her fault or whatever, but the mm-hmm. material that she was given to work with was atrocious. Even when, there, Especially when there were fans there. She's actually benefited from uh, their not being fans, to be honest with you, as far as... You know, her promos are concerned, but when she had to get serious, she had to get serious. When she beat up Sasha, it was a great angle. The build of their match at Hell in the Cell was pretty good. They had they had one of the best matches of the year at Hell in the Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Sasha on the Mandalorian. She's the SmackDown Women's Champion right now. Her momentum is through the roof. This is the mm-hmm. most meaningful. I don't know if meaningful is the right word, but the most buzzworthy, I guess, Sasha has been. I guess when she first came back as a heel last year, that was great too. But And that was for a short period before she kind of fell on the back burner again. This is the most consistently special that Sasha has been in probably four years when she was the Raw Women's Champion and they did the draft and blah, 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 the, the Charlotte feud. That's a long time. For someone as good as she is to be on the back burner for that long, she could have left the company. She could have quit last year when she left the company for a couple months. She didn't have to come back, but she did. And uh, props to WWE for finally realizing what they had in Sasha, putting her at the front of that division because uh, she's the best that they have. And it's cool when they push other women like a Lacey or this girl or that girl. But Sasha's the best that they have. And they got to push her. They got to give her a, me- a meaningful title reign before anyone else. And she finally has had one in the last couple of months. So, yeah, Sasha and Bailey have been the best part of, for the women in 2020. And I love Asuka. Asuka's had a great year overall. Mm-hmm. Um, Asuka, to me, it feels like she's just kind of filling in for Becky. Um, and if Becky was there, she wouldn't be at the forefront of that division. And Asuka's had a lot of good matches, but. The most important that Asuka was was during the Bailey and Sasha feud because Bailey and Sasha were all over the place. Asuka felt important, and when that feud was over, Asuka was kind of an afterthought again, and she's been an afterthought ever since. She's a dual right. champion right now, and she still right. doesn't feel special. So, yeah, Bailey I mean, and Sasha had a great year. All we need is Sasha to have a win at, at WrestleMania now. Yeah, she's 0-5, I think. So hopefully, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. If she faces Bianca, I would love to see Bianca win, but she doesn't have to. Bianca could look great in defeat, and, and Sasha can finally win one. So I think it's right. a win if they do that match either way. Also, for me, um, uh, for 2020, the the Hurt Business has been very cool and different and interesting. So putting those guys together with MVP, Shelton, um, Cedric, and who I'm missing? Uh, Bobby. Bobby Lashley. The main guy, <laughs> Lashley, Cedric, um, MVP, and Benjamin. Um, you know, just seeing that that faction come together. Uh, I didn't see it in the beginning, but as time went along, I'm like, okay, I I I, I had you on. I'm like, this could be like the new nation of domination. They now they have all the gold, or majority of the gold, looking like Evolution from 2000. It's, it's the nation of Evolution. The nation of Evolution. Um, I like that part. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I agree. They've, they've been great. I didn't put them in my top five just, again, because they haven't been around long enough, and they only really joined forces in the last couple of months. Um, it's kind of like a Roman Reigns thing, but they would absolutely be an honorable mention. They've been one of the best parts of Raw recently. The booking's been really good. Bobby's been built back up, which 
makes me so happy because before recently, a year ago, at this time a year ago, the guy was getting married to Lana, and he was a complete fucking joke on the show. Um, they're finally building him up to be a meaningful threat. I mean, MVP is another MVP of 2020, no pun intended. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy came back in the Rumble as like a quick throwaway entrant. Like we see all like, oh, fucking like, like Santino came back in the Women's Rumble this year. Oh, it'd be a cool spot if we bring back MVP. The guy went from being a one-off in the Rumble to a producer backstage <laughs> to now being a full-time performer on the show. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy has literally done it all in 2020. He had a spot in the Rumble. He wrestles almost every week. He's a manager. He's been a backstage producer. He's a commentator. He 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 was a commentator for main event at one point in, in the year. He's mm-hmm. done a lot of shit. He's done a lot of shit in 2020. And he's had he's had pay-per-view matches against the Apollo Cruz for like the United States Championship. I mean, right. the guy's had a great 2020 and he's he's constantly delivering. The guy's 40 something years old and he might be doing the best work of his career right now as well. I, I love the Hurt Business, and I'm really excited to see what WWE has in store for them in 2020. Uh, for both companies, you tell me your favorite storyline and your worst storyline for both companies. Oh, man. Uh, for WWE, I think the worst has got to go to the Rollins-Mysterio stuff. And again, it started out promising enough, but like two things was what really made it bad. The eye-for-an-eye eye shit was terrible. The matches were great. That's the problem. The matches in the feud were really good, This, which people aren't going to remember because the storyline was so bad. The eye-for-an-eye eye stuff was atrocious. And then when they got Aaliyah Mysterio involved after SummerSlam and, and Dominic Mysterio being involved was fine. Rollins and Dominic at SummerSlam was terrific. Um, but the matches that followed were not. In, in some of the matches they had were... Uh, it's they, they just dragged it on for way too long. They got Murphy involved at... Now Murphy, so, you know, you, you, you'll take the Rollins Mysterio. You'll take that as the worst more than the retribution stuff. Okay, retribution, retribution. Yeah, come on, retribution. I'm sorry. There, there's a lot of bad <laughs> that happened this year. There's been so much. There's been a lot of bad stuff, but I think those top two have highlighted the raw underground wasn't bad. It was just kind of a waste of time. What happened to it? What happened to it? I just, they just they just stopped giving a fuck about it and they just they just discontinued as we all expected they would but Damn. yeah retribution's got to be number 1 and then Rollins Mysterio for like worst storyline is retribution worst feud okay. is Rollins Mysterio okay. um there's probably more I'm not thinking of the uh, Otis Randy had a Otis great storyline the bank how about he Otis winning the money in the bank how about that, that that's not a bad storyline because Otis Otis was on fire at that point. The Otis Mandy Rose storyline might be hmm, for best storyline of the year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it might be the Otis Mandy Rose stuff because that stuff was phenomenal, especially when there were crowds there for the first five or six months. And you got to remember, too, that immediately transitioned in the Mandy versus Sonya. And they had a great women's feed over on SmackDown. So mm. I don't think a lot of people are going to be saying that, but I think because none of them really mean anything right now. Otis means nothing. Mandy Rose means nothing. DeVille's not on the show. Tucker is split away from Otis. But for the first six months of the year, actually eight months, if you count SummerSlam with the uh, culmination of Mandy versus Sonya, it would be that. They were the best part of SmackDown. So either that or Roman Reigns and Uso. The whole Roman Reigns thing is probably the best thing to come out of the year. I I wouldn't say there's one particular storyline, though. Mm. Um it would probably be Otis and Mandy, but a very close second would be the what I just mentioned. I mean, I actually did a whole article about like the best storylines of the year a couple of like maybe about a month or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. 
I forgot what I, I think I put this one at number one, but if not that, then like I said, the, uh, what about did I Ed, oh. about, about, uh, Edge Orton? Maybe that is number one. There's, there's been a lot of good stuff to this, but I'm saying Edge and Orton would be up there. Otis and Mandy. Okay. I'll probably say Edge and Orton, Otis and Mandy, Roman and Jay has been fantastic. The her business has been really good. I'd probably put that towards the bottom of best storylines, but that would be on there. And then also uh, Drew and Randy had a great feud. The whole legend killer thing with Orton has been fantastic. So um, that's why Orton deserves to be in that top five of MVPs for WWE in 2020. And Bailey and Sasha too have also had a great feud. So it's really right. hard actually. They've had a lot more. They've had a lot more like good feuds and storylines, and they have bad. So at least from what I can right. remember. So uh, it's hard to say, but I'll probably put Edge and Orton number one just because that was really what carried Raw for the first four or so months of the year. What about AEW? Um, probably the Hangman Omega stuff and how they've really furthered that storyline over the year. They've been tag team champions for most of the year. They split up, lost the belts. Omega went on to turn heel. The subtle, the subtleties in him turning heel before he actually did were great. So I'd probably go that that is their best storyline. Um. If not that, then I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, MJF well, Cody had a really good storyline before the match. Uh, what'd you say? I said, well, I wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Bucks and FTR built up their match really, really well. So maybe that one. Um, that was a really good storyline. Cody and Brody Lee had a fun, short-lived feud. Uh, man, I don't know. I, I didn't really give a shit about Jericho and Orange Cassidy, mm. for example. Moxley and Eddie Kingston had a really good feud for as long as that lasted. Um, man, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I would probably put those. Like I said, my, the top one would probably be the Hangman and Omega story. Would probably be number one. Uh, the Bucks and FTR really uh, did a great job building that match for the most part as well. So that would, would probably be number two or three. But yeah, I would say Hangman and Omega number one. When I said I, I was missing one more person in my head about MVPs, real quick, yep, yep. I forgot about Adam Cole. Okay. So as far as, as far as the NXT goes, Adam Cole, who was the longest reigning champion of all time, I think he lost the belt in what in the uh, summertime, right? June. Yeah, July. In July of the Great American Bash. Yeah. Okay. So Orton, Sasha Bailey, Roman. Drew and I say Adam Cole were like the main anchors for the, the programming of 2020. So I can't forget about Cole being the longest fucking champion in history of, of NXT and not give him the nod, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I would put Balor on that list as well because Balor has been a part of NXT almost all year. He got hurt recently and he was gone for the last two months, but he's had a phenomenal 2020. I mean, the guy's been back in NXT. He's had great matches with Johnny Gargano, Damian Priest, Timothy Thatcher, Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano. I already mentioned him, uh, Keith Lee, uh, among other people. So it probably uh, Cameron Grimes for one, too. So. Uh, I would probably put Balor over Cole just because Cole was champion for the first six months of the year. And he really, Hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's tough. That's tough because even when he wasn't champion, the Pat McAfee feud was good and their match to take over 30 was one of my favorites all year. And right. the undisputed era versus Pat McAfee stable storyline recently was also great. And the war games match was good too. So I might put him at my, he would probably be the MVP, just barely inching out, 
just barely inching out Finn Balor. And then a number three would be Keith Lee because Keith Lee had a great, I mean, yeah, he was called up in August, but he -hmm. was in NXT for the first eight months. He won the North American championship. He held the title for literally that entire period up until he got called up. Um, He won the NXT championship while the North American champion beat Adam Cole for the title. He beat Johnny Gargano multiple times. He beat Finn Balor, beat Dominic Dijakovic, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, uh, lost the belt to Karrion Cross, and then moved up literally the next day. So I would put Keith Lee on that list as well of people who have had a great 2020, specifically in NXT, because the main roster kind of fell off a cliff. So to you, what was the best um, NXT show of 2020? Takeover Portland probably um, was the last and only takeover of the year that had fans. There's two that come to mind. They had a lot of great takeovers. The takeovers are always very good. Mm -hmm. Takeover 31 was a great show. The top two takeovers were Takeover 31, which was headlined by Balor and O'Reilly. They had Candice and EO on that show as well for the women's title. Gargano and Priest, among other matches. Kushida and Velveteen Dream. Um, That was a consistently great show. The only reason why I give Portland the... The, the upper hand, and I don't think people are going to say that as the takeover of the year because it has been so long, mm-hmm. but that was the show of the year for them because it was also consistently great in that they had the Broserweights versus, uh, who did they face? Broserweights and Undisputed Era was one of the matches. Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, Gargano and uh, um, Balor had a great match. Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic and Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai. It was an absolutely amazing show. As was TakeOver 31, but TakeOver Portland had a crowd, and they were a fucking hot crowd. So that's why you have to go with that TakeOver as the TakeOver of the year. But at the same time, though, I really, really, really enjoyed Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc was an amazing show a couple of months ago. And that wasn't a TakeOver. That was a TV special. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was really, really good. And the overall Halloween theme I thought was fantastic. So I think that was just fresher in my mind because it happened recently, and TakeOver Portland felt like a century ago. Um, but take over thirty or take over Portland will be my show of the year for them. Halloween Havoc comes very close because that was a terrific show. I don't think I saw Halloween Havoc. And even you know me, I'm a big Halloween Havoc fan. Yeah. I just don't recall watching it. I think the last the last NXT show that I've seen top to bottom in full, sound like a fucking long time ago, was um in your house. And that was a really fun show too. Not my show of the year, but that was a fun show too. Yeah, yeah, I like the with the Adam Cole and Velveteen. They had a like a ladder match or like an outdoor backlot brawl kind of shit. Yeah, it was back like a parking brawl. lot brawl. Yeah, exactly. They made the most of it. I thought it wasn't the greatest cinematic match all year, but it, it was good. And they had uh, the the women's main event on that show was really good. The triple threat women's title match main event was good. Um, Gargano and Keith Lee had a good match Balor and Priest and overall above any of that other stuff I just mentioned this set was fucking sick so just to bring back in your house for one night was really really cool so in your opinion the best moment for AEW and the best moment for WWE was Uh, AEW maybe the Sting debut the Sting debut was great, and again, that's just fresher in my mind, but that first pandemic show, when Matt Hardy debuted, and then Brody Lee debuted earlier on in the evening, that was awesome. Like, oh, Brody Lee debuted, that means Matt Hardy's not the exalted one. Matt Hardy, I guess, isn't coming in, and then he debuted on that same show anyway. Again, no fans, but I thought that was one of their best moments all year. 
Right. Um, the Omega heel turn was well done. I thought that was a great moment. That would be up there. Um, the Sting debut was special, so that's why I would say that as well. I'm sure there's other moments, but those are the ones that come to mind. Uh, Moxley winning the championship of Revolution was a cool moment. So any one of those, for WWE, I can't think of anything else but Edge returning. Edge returning the Rumble was the moment of the year for WWE, so they peaked early in January. And if it wasn't that, then Roman's, Roman Reigns aligning with Paul Heyman when he said, oh, it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler. And then he turned over, and the camera pans to Paul Heyman on the couch with Roman Reigns on SmackDown, and that's how they went off the show. Mm-hmm. One of the best endings to a SmackDown I've ever seen. So either of those two moments, but I would probably go with the Edge one because it made for such an emotional moment that I'm sure everyone rewatched at least a dozen times over after it happened. So before we wrap it up... Um Obviously, AEW did not provide their top 10 matches. Hopefully, they do. But um, I have the top 10 matches according to WWE here. Yep. I think think you've probably seen it. Yeah, I read the list the other day. Yeah. I want you to tell me whether you agree or disagree. And if you you disagree, what would you replace it with? Okay. How about that? All right. Number 10, Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly from NXT TakeOver 31. Fantastic match. I would put it higher on the list, but it belongs in the top 10. I think it belongs in the top five, but yeah, that was a terrific match. So that should be a match that I, I should check out at some point in time. Yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic match. Absolutely okay. check it out. Yeah, especially before they have the sequel in a couple weeks of New Year's Evil. I think that's next Wednesday is the next match. Okay, so now this one, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, WrestleMania 36. Yeah, that was a great match, too. That belongs in the top 10. Definitely. And people are still mad that Charlotte won the match. Yeah, I mean, the people saying like, you know, I could see, I, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I didn't like that match. I'm like, you didn't like it because Charlotte won. If you're not, if you're saying you didn't like it because it wasn't a good match, then you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're you must be blind because it was a terrific <laughs> match. Considering that there were no fans there either and they still had a great match is very impressive. So that belongs in the top 10 for sure. And you know what's crazy? That was the time where he had no fans, but now there was no sound effects either. So like now you're watching Raw SmackDown, yeah, exactly, yeah. Make crowd noise and to to just back then at WrestleMania it was just an empty center, literally like an empty warehouse. Yeah, it was like whoa, like <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was shocking. Um, Walter and some guy I'm not even going to pronounce from Ilya Dragunov. Yeah, uh, that would be top yeah. five. That was a, a phenomenal match. That is also worth sh- checking out. I would put it higher on the list. How do you say his name? Uh, Ilya Dragunov. Ilya. Yep. Ilya Dragunov. Okay, there you go. Yeah. The, uh, silent. Seven, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Clash of Champions. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I, I do not want to see that. I, I saw wow. that. I read the list and I had other people concur. Why is that? First of all, it shouldn't even be in the top 10. Second of all, it doesn't even belong in the list itself. Not even in the top 25 when I put that match. There were other matches not on that list. I don't even think Rollins and Dominic Mysterio was on that list from SummerSlam, and that was an amazing match. I don't even think that's on there at all. And, no. And if you're going to put any match on that list from Orton and Drew, and Orton and Drew have had a lot of matches this year, put the SummerSlam one match on there. That match was great. That one or the uh, the one on Raw where Drew won back the bell, that was also a great match. But I would put the SummerSlam match. The SummerSlam match was terrific. The Clash of Champions Ambulance match, it was good. It wasn't bad. But it definitely was not number seven. I don't know why that's up. I don't know why that's up so high. All right. So we we you disagree with one of them. Um, number six, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan from Friday Night SmackDown. Amazing match. Absolutely worthy of being in the top ten. 
Intercontinental title ladder match from Clash of Champions. Little high, wouldn't put it in the top five, but yeah, that Sami Zayn, Styles, Hardy, triple threat from Clash of Champions was fantastic. Uh, one of the craziest ladder matches I've seen, but I wouldn't put it in the top 10. No. Wow. Oh, no, actually, maybe maybe if it was in the top 10, I would put it at like number 10, but I don't know. Okay. There are other matches that, you know, that we don't say here in the top 10 that aren't included that should be in the top 10. Like the Men's Rumble, spoiler alert, is not in the top 10, which makes no sense to me. Because that was one of my favorite matches all year, but I, I would probably replace it with that. Number four, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns from the Survivor Series. Uh, great match. Definitely not worthy of being in the top five, but it was a terrific match, though. But it belongs in the, in the top ten. Yeah, I put, I'd probably put it in the top ten, maybe. Just looking at other stuff I don't think was included. Um If it was in the top 10, it would be eight. But yeah, I don't know if I would put it in the top five. I wouldn't put it in the top five, actually. Number three, the greatest wrestling match of all time at number three, Edge and Randy Orton from Backlash. I'd probably put that at five or four. Um, three isn't too egregious. It was a great match. It was a lot better than the last man standing match, which I'm glad they didn't include because it wasn't that good. It was kind of boring. Um, this one was great. I really enjoyed the match. Greatest wrestling match ever? No. Um, but considering the bill... And considering how they build it and how they built it up and whatever, it was it was a great match. So, uh, again, number three, I don't know about that, but probably in the top five, I wouldn't argue with you there. Sasha Banks, Bailey from Hell in a Cell, number two. Awesome match. Um, I'd have to really make a list to say if it's number two or not. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would put it at number two. I remember watching that match, and I don't remember thinking, oh, shit, I almost fell over. Um, I don't remember thinking that it was like, the one of the, like the best match of the year. Mm. So I feel like they just put that in number two because it's Bailey and Sasha. And it really should have been like, for example, I think their iron woman match in the takeover, the first takeover match from five years ago was better than this. Mm. So I don't know. I, I think it was a great match. It definitely would probably put it in the top five. I just don't know if I would put it at number two. Number one, the Boneyard match, WrestleMania 36, Taker and AJ Styles. So this one is a little polarizing. I'm not going to argue with it because it was a fantastic match. It was the best Taker WrestleMania match that he's had since the Punk one seven years ago. I will say that. It was a great way to close out his career. It was the first cinematic match they've done, and it was amazing. It was exactly what it needed to be. I, it's hard to say that it was the match of the year because it's not really a match. It was more of a spectacle. And like, the, if you're going to put this shit on there, then what about the Firefly Funhouse match? That's not on the list. But it was still a match, wasn't it? Like, it's oh. it's kind of hard to exactly like this wasn't really a match either. It was more of a movie sequence. But I would still put it up there. I think it was a, gr a great match. There's other matches I would say are the match of the year more than this. Um, but it's not like, oh man, this is such a dumb choice. Like, fuck this match. It was terrible. Blah blah blah. It really was a great match. Just I don't know if I would put it in number one, um, but it was a great way to close out night one of WrestleMania. Real quick, talk about that Firefly Funhouse because I felt like I thought it would have been up here. I mean, 10, 9, 8, it, it don't matter. I, I felt it would have been up there because, again, it's not really a match where it's like moves and holds and everything, but it, yeah. you promote it as they, were, they promoted it as a match, so I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it was a match. It says it on Wikipedia that Bray Wyatt beat John Cena, so. But I felt like out of all the things that they did this year, 
aside from Taker and AJ the Boneyard, like that Firefly Funhouse showcase <laughs> was yeah. something real crafty, creative, and different. I don't think they can replicate that. And I don't think you can if it doesn't involve a Bray Wyatt kind of character. So I, like you said, why is it not in the top 10? I don't know, but it should be like, like an honorable mention, but I hope people don't forget about that kind of match going forward. Yeah. Uh, that deserves to be recognized because people like rewatched it multiple times. It was wacky. It was crazy. It was exactly what it needed to be. It was way more interesting than if they just did Cena and the fiend straight up. So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that match. It wasn't really a match, but <laughs> I, I, I loved it for what it was. I thought it was terrific. Is it a um, top match, whatever, for AEW? Um, yeah, the, the Bucks and um, Omega Page match from Revolution is my match of the year. That tag team title match from uh, in Chicago Revolution. That's my match of the year. Uh, Bucks and FTR was also great from All Out. Uh, single was that match? a regular match? Was that a regular match or like a ladder match? Or these are all regular matches, regular okay, yeah. Um, Omega and Paige had a really good match of full gear. I don't know if it was the match of the year, but mm-hmm. man, I don't know. Um, in terms of like singles matches, I, I, I really like AEW. The funny thing is that all their matches are good, that it's really hard to pinpoint like a match that was better than the rest. Um, Hakura Shida and Thunder Rosa had a really good match for the women's title at all out. Um, God, I don't, I don't really know. I really don't know as far as like a great singles, like the best singles match they've had all year. The tag team match was my favorite match of the year from revolution bar none. Um, it's hard to come up with like a top 25 for AW to be honest with you because there were so many good ones, but like Mm -hmm. truly special ones. I can't think of many to be honest. Okay. So real quick, uh, from a WWE standpoint, prediction time so we got a rumble coming up we got mania coming up hopefully we get some fans back in the uh, at least by at least by mania time i, I yep. doubt the rumble uh i think the rumble will be in that uh uh Tropicana field dome and everything so um who do you think wins the rumble for the women's side and the men's side you mean like a top two three choice of winners you think for the women, I got Bianca. I think it's got to be Bianca. No one else really makes any sense. They could have Bailey win it, but like we've already seen her in the title picture a lot this last year. So mm-hmm. I'd say no. Bianca makes the most sense. Could Becky come back and win it? I, I guess, but she literally just had a baby like a like what three weeks ago. Like that just is way too soon for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my opinion, I mean. If she wants to come back, I guess, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, or I guess Rhea Ripley could win it too for the women if she gets called up and wins it. That's possible too. I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. Bianca, uh, she's my pick. For the guys, I got Daniel Bryan winning. I know he announced himself last week. He was the first one announced for it, but he just makes the most sense. If they're not doing Bryan and Roman to the Rumble, WrestleMania is the next best place. It's got to be uh, Daniel Bryan. If not Bryan... Keith Lee is a possibility. He's getting his WWE title shot next week on Raw. That tells me he probably isn't getting another title shot at the WrestleMania. So uh, Keith Lee is a, he's a second choice, but he's not even like a close second. Like I think it's going to be Brian. It, it could very well be Goldberg, and I fucking hope not because if it is, that's a repeat of the Roman Reigns situation from five six years ago uh, when Roman won instead of Brian. So I, I got to go with. Uh, Brian Goldberg would be the wrong choice. Anyone but Brian at this point or, or Keith Lee would probably be a bad choice. So I got to go with Brian. 
Wow. Uh, I, I could see Bianca. I'm trying to think. I, I, I Obviously, you get Bianca and, and Sasha at Mania. Um, I don't think Charlotte. I don't think, like you said, Becky fucking Ronda ain't coming back anytime soon. Yeah, so. Ronda's a possibility, but I don't think she's coming back. Um, Not yet, anyway. Yeah, okay, right now, by default, I would say Bianca. Yeah. I don't see anybody else. I don't see Carmella and, and you know... No. Um, no, for the men... If, if we and you had this conversation months ago... And we, and we would talk about Keith Lee, Biggie could, could, could win the Rumble. Yeah, I was thinking that too with anyone in the IC title, so I don't think it's going to happen yet. Right. Um, Danny Bryant could be up there because Danny Bryant has been like in the middle of this middle gray area like for a long time now. Like, yeah. well, what do you what do you do with him? And there's been talk about he's going to like I guess retire soon or like he wants to be the the family man going forward. So his time in the company maybe running out at some point in time. So you might want to give him one last run with the belt. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing Roman and Daniel Bryan at, 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 at a mania. If it's not, obviously we thought about the rock, but I, I, we don't know if they want to put that match in the possibility of no fans in the arena. Then they might hold that till next year. Yep. So that's still out there. You mentioned Goldberg and Goldberg come back and win the rumble and get Roman at mania. You know, Ro- Goldberg wants Roman Reigns. Who's yep. next on that show? So that that that's an idea. Um, ain't 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 much left. I mean, it, it's not like somebody needs the Rumble. I think Daniel Bryant right now needs the Rumble more than like a Keith Lee or Biggie or Goldberg. So I I'm trying to think about it, but ain't that many people left. Like Orton, he he don't need he don't need it. No, he's Orton, not gonna work. Uh, do they bring back Cena? I have no idea. That no, be- no, no. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure you'd rather see Cena than Goldberg. Yeah, but Cena's not a good choice either. We've already seen Cena in Roman. I don't, I don't need to see that again. Or Cena and McIntyre. No thanks. How many times, though? How many times you saw Roman and, and Cena? Only once, but I feel like Daniel Bryan is just a way better. Cena, Cena doesn't need to be in the title picture. He doesn't want to be in the title picture, I don't think, anyway. There's no reason. No, he, probably don't, he probably don't need it, but for them, you know, they want a big name to be in the main event of, of, of Mania. So it's like, all right, if it's not Daniel Bryan, they go back to the well of Goldberg Rock. I don't, I don't think they do, though. I think we've we've had the part-timers in the main event of Mania for so fucking long. we got to move on from that at some point. we got to have two full-time people on the show. Like, I think Drew and Roman is a perfect main event for that show. Or mm. Roman and, and Daniel Bryan. Or, or McIntyre and someone else. I don't know. Right. That's in my opinion. So, who do you think main events WrestleMania? I would say Drew and whoever his opponent is, but that's not clear-cut. I think Bryan and Roman is the perfect main event. You can have yeah, Roman. Who do, you, who do you think gets Drew McIntyre? I, yeah, think, I've heard Keith and I've heard Brock. Brock. Yeah, maybe think, Brock again. But does Brock win the Rumble? I don't want to fucking see that. I mean, I don't want to see Brock in the main event of WrestleMania again. <laughs> Especially if there's no fans. Like, who cares? I we we already saw that. We got to move on. Uh, listen, I I hear you. I'm I'm just letting you know this is what they do. So when it comes to oh, I know. Time, right? yeah, I'm I'm well I'm I'm prepared for the possibility that Brock or Goldberg are gonna win, which I think would be fucking dumb, but we'll see. 
trying to think. Yeah, I, I think uh, those are likely the possibilities right now. You never know what could change in a, in a month or so for the Rumble. going to be interesting to see the Rumble in the Thunderdome, though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, definitely. We'll see what happens there. Do they try to add some fans? Do you feel like it's just going to be regular? For the Rumble, probably not. I mean, they, they could. I mean, it's going to depend on what happens the next couple of weeks, but I don't I don't see that happening. I feel like if that was going to happen, we would have heard something about that by now. It's coming up in like a month, so we'll see. I don't see, think so. What, what kills me is that at least for the Rumble, yep. like me, I would take down the whole Thunderdome shit. You're you're already in a fucking dome already, and you could have utilized that whole area for a rumble kind of setting. It looks different. Like I don't know, man. I mean, they have mania in the PC. That's probably the worst I've seen. It doesn't get much worse than that. So I'm fine. So seeing the rumble in the 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 Thunderdome is going to be wicked. Going to be crazy. I, at least they could have used the Tropicana field to some degree, but I don't think they're going to take that shit down and rebuild the shit back up. No, I, I just, I don't think they do with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. They'll just leave at it least, up. At least by mania. I think it's, it's in Tampa, right? This year. And they haven't announced that yet, but it probably will be. That's, that's the speculation right now. Uh, I don't know. Um, obviously, you know, on a sad note, we, we lost a couple guys, during the year, Pat Patterson, Brody Lee recently. Uh, I'm pretty sure, hopefully not other people, that that's the ones I, I recall. Oh, he lost uh, a lot of people. Uh, the Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad. Yeah. Uh, um, that was before the pandemic, actually. Howard Finkel was another one. Um, right. Animal from Legion of Doom was another one. Uh, we lost a lot of people this year, actually. There's a lot more than I'm not thinking of, but those mm. are the big ones that can that come to mind. Um, listen, man. I hope twenty twenty one is is a, is a better year for everybody. Healthy, safe, um, all the sports. I know they're going back and forth traveling, and this is going to be. I think the wrestling aspect of the pandemic was hit the hardest because it really depended on the crowd. And yeah. You can have an NBA game, you can have an NFL game, you can have a fucking UFC, but somehow they made it yeah, work. Exactly. It's like, all right, yeah. we don't need the crowd. The yeah. wrestling. Needs the crowd, yeah. And hopefully, they get back to that at some point. Start off small and gradually work your way up to to where it was back to normal. Um, I thought twenty twenty was out of their control, but they made the best of it. So, in a nutshell, to wrap it up, how you how would you describe? And someone said, "Grand man, talk to me about wrestling back in twenty twenty. How was it? How would you describe it?" It was weird, but they made the most of it. Like I said, to kind of go full circle here, it was a bad situation that they made the most of it. Um, not a year I would go out of your way to watch, you know, if you didn't catch a lot of it. But there is stuff worth catching up on for both companies. Like I said, it wasn't completely bad. Um, it, w- it was a good year overall, considering the circumstances. Some of the ratings, you know, like Raw's ratings are lower than ever, but some of the content isn't terrible. Raw is just abysmal lower often than not, but SmackDown's good, NXT's good, Dynamite's good. So it was a historical and unprecedented year. I know a lot of people have heard that word a million times by now, but it definitely was an unprecedented year that uh, they made the most of, and I thought it was uh, not a terrible year overall. And last question, what are some some storylines you're looking forward to watching in 2021 who are some people who you feel like should have a breakout year in 2021 um i don't know 
not really sure. Bianca, I think, should really break out. Uh, Keith Lee should have more of a breakout on the main roster. Uh, Rhea Ripley, I think, will be a big star in the main roster at some point when she gets called up. Undisputed Era have got to get called up at this point. It's been forever, so they got to get called up. Um, they got to make the move. Other than them, I'm not really sure. There's there's a lot of people. I think McIntyre will continue to do well. Um, I don't know. I don't really know. I think I think Keith Lee and Brock should be fun at some point. Roman and Daniel, when that happens, is going to be great. Uh, Roman and Seth at some point. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year. I don't know. I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, there, there's a lot of storylines that I think would be that, that could be really good given their roster. It's just a matter of whether they make them as good as they have the potential to be. That's the question. I got. I got real quick. I got one dark horse for the Rumble. Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it. I want to see if you agree or disagree, or you're like in the middle area with how the hurt business is going. Do you think a guy like Bobby Lashley? can win the Rumble to elevate that group. Now, they all have the titles. They don't have a world champion. But do you think they get get the U.S. belt off of Bobby Lashley pre-Rumble? He wins the Rumble and maybe go on to Mania. If it's not a Daniel Bryan or everybody we, that, that we've mentioned, do you think Lashley is in that dark horse area? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've been booking him strong for a reason. He's tapped out Hardy the last four weeks on Raw, so there's got to be a reason for that. It's not like anyone else is pinning Hardy. It's like he's tapping out Hardy himself. I mean, it could be leading to something for Hardy, but um, Lashley isn't my pick to win. I would love to see him win. I think that'd be fucking sick. I, I don't think he will, but um, he could drop the U.S. title to Riddle earlier on that night and then win the Rumble itself later on. So is it possible? Absolutely. But will they do it? Probably not. I think it'd be cool if we got Brock and... Uh, Brock and Bobby Mania, or Bobby, Bobby and Drew again. They had a really good match of Backlash, and then Bobby wins this time. I think Bobby and Drew part two would be great because Drew doesn't really have a set in stone opponent otherwise. If they're doing Keith and Drew next week, so all right, I'm an idiot. I mean, they could do Drew and Sheamus, I guess, but I think they might do that at the Rumble. I, I don't know if I would wait till Mania. I, I yeah. definitely would have Sheamus win the Rumble. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> God, I can see it. I can see Bobby and Drew. If Bobby wants to win, he'll pick Drew. He don't. He he ain't picking Roman Reigns. I mean, he could, but Bobby's not going to be a babyface. So he might as well just keep him on Raw with Drew, right? So, hey, listen, man. That's why. That's why we're here. We 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 fantasy book these things. We could be wrong. We could be right. But I think as far as your Rumble prediction, I think we're in the area. Um, Bobby would be more of the shocker because I don't think most would expect that. In my in my opinion, yeah. Um, but Daniel Bryan could be a way to go. Like, hey, listen, man, you should have won the Rumble years ago, first and foremost, and now yeah. we're giving you that that chance now, and we'll see how it goes um, against uh, Rain. So, um, Graham, always appreciate your your hard work and coming on the show, man. We, we, we've been doing this for so long. I think about five six years now. Uh, always great to talk wrestling with you. Um, they could uh, they could find you on Twitter at a Wrestle Rant. Um, great work for both Bleacher Report and fan side of Daily DDT. You can find me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. If you're a fan of the show, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Go ahead, download, rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. If you're really a fan of the show, go to ProWrestlingTees.com, buy a t-shirt, show some love and support for the show. Grandma man, thank you. Thank you for 2020 and look forward to talking with you in 2021, man. You as well, Randy. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great happy new year and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.